Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge recruiting analyst Dylan Callahan Crowley here for BeaversEdge.com. We're here to break down Oregon State's signing day. The early signing period is done. Oregon State is all wrapped up as of noon of, or excuse me, as of one o'clock recording this podcast. Signed 18 names. Uh, We're going to obviously dive into it uh, from the jump. Want to go ahead and welcome Dylan into the podcast here. First time he's jumping on the Edge podcast. You all know him as our uh, recruiting writer extraordinaire. Dylan, what's going on, man? How are you? You know, I'm doing good. It's been, you know, a crazy last few weeks here uh, on the recruiting trail, on the boards. Everybody who's following along knows all the latest in Oregon State recruiting. But, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been long, but I'm glad that it's uh, wrapping up now. And, you know, there's still another little second half, you could say, here before uh, February with uh, – the original sign of day. So should be fun. A lot of transfer portal stuff should be happening for the beaver. So uh, it should be uh, pretty fun over the next few weeks, but the last few weeks are pretty fun as well. Yeah, no doubt uh, all the way across, you know, it's, it's definitely been an exciting time and an exciting time at Beaver's edge is Oregon state obviously just wrapped up their bowl game, you know, get the 10th win with the win over Florida, finish the season 10 and three. And then the whirlwind couple of days getting back, Jonathan Smith and his staff, obviously putting the finishing touches uh, on the 2023 class. Let's go ahead and uh, run through those names. Now, uh, as we have them here uh, again, if you want the complete uh, breakdown in detail, uh, Dylan and I have uh, been working hard behind the scenes over at BeaversEdge.com. Got notebooks, uh, the, the whole rundown for you, so you guys can check that out there. But starting um, with uh, Aiden Childs at quarterback, arguably the uh, the gem of the class, the four-star uh, commitment, the lone four-star uh, in the class for Oregon State from Downey, California, uh, followed by a, a couple receivers. Uh, Tastion Reddix comes in from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, David Wells comes in from Lakewood, Washington. Zachary Card comes in from Pittsburgh, California. And then Montreal Hatton comes in from Carthage, Texas. Uh, switching over to tight end Cooper Jensen uh, from Snohomish, Washington up there. Uh, keeping Oregon State's uh, pipeline of uh, tight ends here on the West Coast going. A couple offensive linemen as well. The Beavers land Jacob Anderson from Billings, Montana. Uh, also uh, Xander Esty from uh, Auburn, California. Then switching to the defensive side, uh, we've got a couple of defensive linemen. Um, uh, Kels Howard uh, from Las Vegas, Nevada. We got a chance to uh, meet up with him at the bowl game. Super awesome guy. Looking forward to uh, getting a chance to meet him uh, when he gets on campus as well. Uh, Thomas Collins coming over from Sweden. Uh, Abraham Johnson coming from Salt Lake City. Uh, Leonard Ahu coming from Hawaii uh, at the linebacker spot. Uh, also have Isaiah Chisholm coming in as well. And then uh, wrapping up with a couple defensive backs, uh, Harlem Howard um, also have, uh, excuse me, um, Harlem Howard coming in. uh, Also have uh, Jermaud McCoy uh, as well. Also want to mention uh, Nico Taylor as well, the Hutchinson, Kansas uh, native. And uh, also Andre Jordan, fellow defensive back as well. Uh, 18 names. uh, Dylan, did I get them all or I missed someone? It's been a bit of a long day. I think I got everybody. I think you got everybody too. It's it's been a long day for all of us. So uh, if you miss them, I miss them too. But I think we got everybody covered there. Uh, I mean, it's it is a pretty strong class overall. I know it fell. Oh, a little I think bit I had outside to, the top. Sorry, I think I forgot to mention Zakaya Sias as well, defensive end uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But I think with that, with that, we have everybody. We, so please continue. We both we see we both missed them. We both missed them. It's it's been that type of day. Uh, a lot, a lot of names flying in and out, you know, because 
obviously Oregon State is our primary concern here. Uh, but there is, you know, hundreds of names out there that we, we just hear about every day, especially somebody in my shoes covering also Penn State and Minnesota. Uh, it, a lot of information out there, so it is hard times yeah. to keep track of everybody. But this class for Oregon State is a pretty solid class overall. I know it slid outside the top 50 today, but I don't think that takes anything away from what Jonathan Smith and his coaching staff was really able to do uh, in this uh, recruiting cycle thus far. I mean, if you want to start with the big names, uh, Aiden Charles, just what a find for them and what mm-hmm. a good job by them of landing him and then keeping him committed. When he committed, he was a rather unknown quarterback, went through some injury struggles earlier in his high school career. Uh, and then this season, he just exploded on the scene, rose up uh, recruiting boards across the industry, put together a very strong uh, senior season, over 73%, 73% of his passes were completed. Uh, 38 touchdowns is five interceptions in 15 games, over 3,000 yards. Uh, and that's not including what he can do on the ground. So just uh, an incredible player. And I think somebody who could be a multi-year star for uh, the Beavers down the road uh, and just a great athlete as well. So, I mean, that that's the big one. That's one everybody's excited about. I think he has a bright future in Corvallis. We'll see when he makes his first impacts. Could it be in 2023? Perhaps we do know the Beavers are, you know, very, uh, they're searching very hard in, their transfer portal for a transfer quarterback here. So we'll see what happens there, but definitely a name to know in the quarterback battle going into next year, but also in 2024 and beyond. Uh, also on the offense side of the ball, I think Montreal had an out of Carthage, Texas, just uh, a very high productive wide receiver. Uh, as a junior, even he was highly productive at 61 receptions for over a thousand yards. I'm not sure. I've seen a senior stat yet, but I saw uh, some of his tape, and it's you know yeah everything you'd imagine. Uh, but he, I think he's going to be a guy, even if he doesn't uh, wow you in terms of physical skill set, he's going to be a guy I think who come in and be productive throughout his career on campus. I think he could be a guy who does make an impact next year because he is quite advanced on the technical side of things when it comes to being a wide receiver, very good route runner. Uh, switching defensively. You, you mentioned Howard. Uh, I, I think he's really intriguing because at six foot four, 270, he's kind of a bit of a, a tweener. He has the athleticism and the burst to play defensive end, but at that size, you think perhaps a move to defensive tackle could be in store at uh, the next level. Uh, but uh, the skill set is there for him to, I think, succeed at either one. Great athlete, great burst, uh, great hand work when fighting offensive linemen. And then uh, you, you mentioned the Juco, Nico Taylor. I think that's going to be a big one for them. They mm, brought him in yes. as an outside outside linebacker, I believe. But at his size, at six foot five, uh, six foot six, wherever he comes in at, I, I think he can play both as pretty much a hybrid edge rusher. He was highly productive in Juco, and I think he's going to be uh, pretty productive for the Beavers next year and definitely somebody who's going to help that pass rush because they they desperately, desperately needed an additional pass rusher in there. They did a great job, again, pressure on quarterbacks this year but didn't get to the quarterback probably as much as they would have liked. So I think he's going to help in that aspect a lot. Yeah, no, great points all the way around. Just to add a few more to it, um, 
Were you a bit surprised that um, Saez ended up getting listed as a uh, outside linebacker as opposed to a, a defensive lineman, Dylan? I, I noticed that when we were going through the uh, the, the um, Oregon State's kind of release of you know the different positions yeah. and heights and weights and not and whatnot. Um, obviously, checks in as a pretty good sized body. Do you think uh, he could just be a big yeah. edge rusher there? Yeah, I think almost in a similar uh, vein to Nico Taylor. I mean, at six foot four, two twenty three, that that is a body that is kind of close to college ready at linebacker. He probably could right. add another 10, 10 or so pounds and be ready to go. Obviously, making the move from defensive end to linebacker, there's going to be some learning the new position, and I think he played some linebacker at St. Thomas Aquinas. But at, but at the same time, uh, playing it part-time, playing it full-time are two widely different things. It's going to take a little bit to get up to speed on that. But I think he's a, a player who can translate well to that. And, and just with him, uh, I, I think something that is sometimes overlooked in college overall is just recruiting, recruiting winners. Mm-hmm. And this kid's a winner. Uh, he plays for played for one of the best high schools in the entire country. Uh, won multiple state championships, including just last week. Uh, th- these are a type of kids that maybe they don't have the most production. Maybe they're not the most physically, uh, you know, impressive player, but they, they bring a winning attitude. They know what it takes to win. Uh, and especially when you come from a program like that, and that's no dis- disrespect to any of the programs that any of the other commitments went to. Uh, but St. Thomas Aquinas is – probably ran closer to a college program than uh, almost, I would say, 99.9% of the other high school programs in the country. It is a elite program from top to bottom. I think that is just going to be a kind of a underrated and underlying detail of his, uh, you know, bringing him in and how it can impact the Beavers go forward. You mentioned Montreal Hatton flipping back to the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's a guy you've obviously talked about that you've liked uh, for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, between the other three guys, they obviously signed David Wells, Zach Card, and, and Reddicks as well. Do you kind of like how they took a few different um, uh, kind of stabs at receivers, so to speak, and brought yeah. in a, a few a few different kind of guys with different skill sets? Exactly. It is a diverse uh wide receiver room in terms of skill set what they brought in Haddon is your you know uh fundamentally sound and he's a great athlete as well i think i think even if the athleticism for some reason doesn't translate to the college level i still think he can be productive because his route running abilities and what his skill set is overall uh reddix is your you know home run threat uh type guy but at six foot Six foot, one hundred seventy-five pounds. That's pretty good size as well. I think uh, the the Beavers have him listed at six foot one, um, but he's another productive guy. But that big speed threat, home run threat. You can never have too much speed. The speed's the name of the game in today's college football. If you don't right. have that speed, especially at the skill positions, uh, it's going to be tough to win consistently. David Wells, I like uh, more of a big bodied wide receiver. Um, Quality athlete, uh, lettered in you know basketball as well, and as a track star, uh, and I, he also is pretty good returner. So I think he's going to be able to do quite a bit for them. Uh, kind of similar to Reddick's. I think Reddick's though has a little bit more, uh, perhaps upside slash athleticism. And then uh, Zachary Card 
kind of in that mold as well, but also a quality route runner. Uh, but yeah, overall, I do like what the Beavers did at wide receiver. Uh, a lot of different skill sets, a lot of different body types here, and I, I think it's going to work out well for them. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt for sure. And then obviously we mentioned uh, Aiden Childs, you know, just to put a point on him, we're obviously going to dive into him uh, a lot in the days uh, post-signing day, kind of breaking it down. And we have some content uh, already up already at beaversedge.com. But uh, Jonathan Smith, you know, just to kind of kick it off, he kind of said, obviously Charles will get a look to play early, depending, you know, based on his coming in in the position of need. He said all, you know, the receivers are going to be guys they look at early, uh, potentially the defensive linemen as well, and then maybe a DB or two as well. Um, I want to mention the two offensive linemen, Jacob Anderson and Xander Esty. Just based on what we've seen from Oregon State in the past, you know, they're usually taking on linemen and kind of, home growing them so to speak for a year or two before we see them see action so of the guys on the list I wouldn't necessarily expect to see those guys right away uh, but again don't want to take anything away I think the Beavers are very excited about what both of those guys uh, bring to the table as well yeah I, I 100% agree with you there I, I think I think there's a really a handful of guys here that I wouldn't be shocked played early um, you, you yeah. mentioned some of them uh, I I think there's it's going to be a good mixture of guys who have that early impact. I'm not saying they're going to be stars off the bat, but can have uh, see rather consistent playing time as a true freshman. I think there's some guys on here that are more a little, little bit more on the development side that in uh, two three years you could see a bigger impact from. But in today's college football game, the the key to that is just kids being willing to be patient and not wanting right. to enter the transfer portal the minute that they realize it's going to take a while for me to see the field. The roster management is almost as big as recruiting in today's uh, college football world. So that's going to be uh, just interesting to see how uh, the coaching staff handles that going forward uh, because th this cycle is even way different than last cycle. This is really mm -hmm. the first full, you know, NIL cycle. Uh, the first full cycle that's really being impacted this heavily by the transfer portal. It, it's a whole new world uh, out there. There's still going to be a lot of changes, and it's going to be intriguing to see how uh, Oregon State handles that and the roster management aspect of some guys possibly not wanting to wait as long to see the field. No doubt. You know, good points, especially just like how the class itself, and, you know, we even talked to Jonathan Smith about that today. You can check it out in his press conference, just how – you know, the, the landscape of recruiting, it's ever evolving, it's ever changing. And he, you know, talked about that with his staff and credited his staff for being on it and, you know, staying, um, you know, as, as competitive as they can be uh, within all of that. Uh, we mentioned already uh, Zakaya Saez, who's going to be one of the outside linebackers. Um, Want to mention uh, Leonard Ahu as well. He obviously is going to be on a Mormon mission for a couple of years. So we'll circle back to him uh, in a couple of recruiting cycles, but um, obviously the Beavers won a big time recruiting battle over Hawaii. You know, I remember back before the season started, Dylan, you and I were talking about him and you felt pretty confident that the Warriors are going to be able to, you know, hang on to him and the Beavers kind of were able to build up some momentum and get him. So I think he's a, a strong take there. And then, uh, Isaiah Chisholm is a guy that I really like because the Beavers are graduating some experience uh, at the inside linebacker position with Jack Coletto, Kyrie Fisher-Morris, uh, Omar Spates, obviously undecided whether or not he's going to return. So, you know, they've got some depth there and some guys at inside linebacker right now. But I think if if there are departures, he could be a guy that uh, sees the mix as well. Um, I Just overall, Dylan, I really like how they've 
divided the class as far as like a nice little breakdown of each position, like not too heavy on one side of the ball, not too heavy necessarily in one particular position group. There's nice balance. And, you know, once we saw what positions we want them to, or the coaching staff rather wants the players to ultimately play, it balances out quite nicely. And we'll obviously get to the defensive backs and defensive line uh, after this. No, absolutely. They did a great job in, uh, Answering their needs, but also, uh, like you said, putting together a well-balanced recruiting class. Uh, they, I mean, I think they hit pretty much every position uh, in this uh, cycle so far. And yes, there's still some needs out there, but absolutely, it's been well-balanced. You mentioned Isaiah Chisholm. Uh, another guy I think is going to be an absolute steal for the Beavers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want You want to talk about production. Uh, 166 tackles as a senior, 106 solo mm. tackles, nine tackles for a loss, three sacks. And that's playing is that in good? Southern California. Is, is that good, Dylan? Is that good? Is that good? <laughs> but, I mean, this kid's playing in Southern California. I know every, right. you know, division and conference isn't built the same. But if you're playing football in Southern California, period, you're going up against some pretty good talent. He played a lot of good teams on that schedule. Uh, so it's not like he's going up and playing kids that are not in his, you know, uh, talent league. He's played a lot of good talent. And the fact that he was able to rack up those numbers is really impressive. And people probably are getting annoyed from me saying production a lot. But uh, to me, production is one of the biggest things you can you should look for when looking at a recruit and trying to judge them. Uh, because, uh, I mean, you can have all this town in the world but if you don't have the production there is something wrong between the talent and what's happening on the field there's a misfire a misconnection somewhere right. uh chisholm has all the talent he has great i mean maybe a little undersized for a linebacker at six foot one but still has good size he's very athletic right. and the production's on the produ- production's all there on the field so i think this is going to be a fantastic pickup and I, and that's somebody i think could play uh, as a true freshman, maybe he's still redshirts, but I think we see him at least in three or four games next year. Yeah, no, he's a guy that you know I've 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 kind of gotten down to what the Oregon State coaching staff wants from those inside linebackers, just because of the scheme that they play. The inside linebackers, you know, almost the captain of that middle part of the the, the unit yeah. so far. And you know, Trent Bray uses the term stopping power. He loves to have guys that literally when an opposing player runs into them, they just stop. And I think that's kind of how you can see a little bit with some of the guys they've recruited in each of the last four, each of the last few cycles. I think back to a guy like Melvin Jordan last year, kind of super big frame, you know, coming out of Florida, um, you know, and, and it kind of reminds me of Chisholm a little bit this year, as far as just, you know, having that really big frame and the ability just to kind of stop a, you know, running player whenever he kind of comes in his vicinity. And uh, he's a guy, Dylan, that Coach Smith mentioned today, uh, said Trent Bray had to win a big-time recruiting battle for and a guy that they're really, you know, pleased with. And, you know, for all of you at Beaver's Edge that are, you know, listening and paying attention to, you know, the the quality of player that Oregon State's been getting into the mix for recently, you're starting to see Oregon State enter into more big-time recruiting battles and win more big-time recruiting battles. And I think that's a benefit of the consistent staff that we've seen. I think it's a benefit of the success that we've seen. So, all good things uh, for Oregon State in that regard. Um, moving over to the defensive line, uh, a couple guys also that Jonathan Smith said uh, could be in the mix to play early just based on 
what you mentioned a few minutes ago, Dylan, the need to generate an even better pass rush this next year. Uh, Thomas Collins obviously comes in from Sweden. Uh, Abraham Johnson, Jojo Johnson, as he's called, comes in from Salt Lake City. Uh, and then obviously uh, Howard as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see once those guys all kind of, you know, get on campus and whatnot. But like we've said, you know, based on just needing to generate a little bit more of a pass rush, and that's kind of one of the few things with the defense that we didn't see firing on all cylinders all year long. Any of those guys could potentially get into the mix. And I think the headliner is definitely Howard. I think he's going to be an awesome addition to this program and the team. And, you know, like I said earlier, getting a chance to meet him uh, down in Las Vegas, just got an infectious personality, awesome guy to be around. And uh, I, I think he's going to be an awesome teammate. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I think the thing that stands out to me about this defensive line class, defensive tackles uh, especially, and really overall is um, while the Beavers recruited to what they like in each position, they also seem to in this class, and I'm sure in every class, but this class I think they did an especially good job at it, is recruiting good at, good to grade even elite athletes. Yeah, um, it, I would agree. I, I you can you can teach fundamentals any day of the week to a good football player and all these guys are obviously really good football players uh but the one thing you can't teach or one of the things you can't teach is athleticism to go along with you know speed and size uh and they all these guys throughout the class are very good athletes and i think even if they aren't there in terms of their fundamentals or wherever they are position wise they're, they're guys where you can see the potential because of their athleticism and, right. and a lot of them aren't major projects are that a lot of them are guys that may, may need a year uh, or so and then can see the field but it's not like we're talking about guys who are extremely raw Right, are going to take three years before they even see the field. I'm especially curious about what Collins is going to be. It's, uh, I, I'm glad they were able to figure out what he was. I know they probably saw him in a few camps, uh, but on tape, it's hard to tell because there's just not much out there. He's not going up against, you know, right. strong talent on a consistent basis. Uh, but the athleticism seems to be there. He has good size for a defensive tackle. So I'm very uh, curious to see what he turns out to be. If he played, you know, at some point next year, I don't think I would be shocked because of the athleticism. Uh, but if he also took, you know, two years to see the field, I, right. I, it wouldn't be surprising either because right. uh, there is going to be card. an adjustment period. Yeah, yeah I think he's it, definitely he a, a bit wild of a wild card. card. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And what are your thoughts kind of on uh, Jojo Johnson? Do you think he could be maybe one of the most kind of like ready guys of the, like yeah. I, I look at him and uh, Howard as real close being able to kind of maybe be ready right away, just based on the size alone, you know? Yeah, I think size alone, definitely ready uh, either right, right away or close to it. I mean, at right. 280 pounds, he probably could go out there and be fine. Uh, if I think if he adds 10, 15 more pounds, even better. Uh, on on uh, tape, he seems to be pretty uh, physically ready. He has a nice burst. Uh, you know, some technical things will need to be, you know, fixed. But that that's with any high school kid. And right. I think I think he could play next year. Um, but I could I could also see them trying to hold on to that redshirt because uh, I do think there's some potential there. It'll probably depend, you know, on how um, depth chart plays out. How 
injuries play out throughout the year. But for I sure, think there's definitely sure. upside there for him to be uh, in the rotation at defensive tackle as early as next season, absolutely, alongside Howard. Yeah, no, no doubt. And again, just guys that Jonathan Smith obviously, uh, you know, kind of kind of mentioned and, you know, he even said yourself, you know, um, you know, it's it's not easy for a true freshman to, to, to play. And, you know, Dylan and I are mentioning, you know, he could play, he could play. But we saw this last year was really mainly Damian Martinez and Jack Velling and that got a lot of run as true freshmen. And, you know, we saw how special Damian Martinez obviously is and then jack velling um for the most part uh thrown into the action uh because of uh, luke musgrave uh, go ahead Dylan. yeah and going back to that it, you know traditionally uh, th- this many true freshmen wouldn't play i mean it, and, and it comes down to you know the overall recruiting class the level of talent we're talking about right um but a lot of this also comes back down to that whole roster management aspect because uh, in today's cultural world, coaches know they're going to have to try to play some guys earlier uh, than they probably – That's a good point. If it comes, point. If, if, even if they thought that they were there uh, physically or, you know, close enough to where they'd be comfortable playing them, but maybe they didn't want to trying to keep that red shirt – uh, with the roster roster management issues these days in college football, that sometimes the coach's hands are kind of forced because would you rather play a guy that you really like and you know maybe you don't get that extra year, or would you uh rather not play him and potentially lose him in the transfer right. portal, uh either during or after the season? Uh, so I think that's an art thing uh to go along with the roster management stuff, but I I also think it's just a good indication of where we think this Oregon state recruiting class is uh, no, it's not full of, you know, elite athletes, elite talent, uh, but it is full of very good athletes and very good talent. A lot of guys who maybe they won't be stars, but I think could be productive players for Oregon state for two, three, four years uh, and uh, possibly uh, beyond Right. And I, and I think, you know, you've kind of seen, you know, we, we've written about it because that's, that's, that's a great point because we've seen the progression of Jonathan Smith's recruiting classes uh, year by year and get better as we've written about when our ranking story. And as Dylan and I mentioned at uh, top of the podcast, even if this year ends up not quite eclipsing last year's mark of a uh, 53rd, I think it's still worth noting that, you know, um, Oregon State was able to have great success this year off of, you know, if you follow the tracks, so to speak, recruiting classes that maybe weren't ranked super high, right? So I, I think it's a piece yeah. of it, but I think more importantly, coaches aren't maybe necessarily as concerned with stars as maybe we are. They're concerned with getting the right guys into their system who they think they can develop into being, you know, those studs. I think that's been the case with Jonathan Smith uh, so far, just based on, you know, the guys from the 18 class, 19 class, 20 class, you know, setting them up for where they are now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we want to wrap this up here soon. So I'll go over three quick thoughts on that. Hopefully I remember them all. Um, and I don't know if I'll be able to do them in the order I wished, but uh, my first overall thought is the stars. And absolutely. You're correct on that. Coaches are looking to recruit, uh, to fit their systems and if they are a four star five star ta- talent great if not uh, oh well uh, but what I think we saw this year is Oregon State being able to go up against some big uh, big name programs to land some of these kids you look at some of these offer lists it, it's not like they went up against 
you know, the Fresno States, the Wyoming's, uh, right. the San Diego States of the world consistently. Yes, right. there are some guys they went up for those guys, but they also recruited against Nebraska. They recruited against Michigan, Oregon, uh, Arizona. Right. Uh, a lot of schools that are putting together really good recruiting classes this cycle. Uh, and as the program continues to have success, even if it's not to the level that it was this year, they, but they can show that they have proven, they can sustain success year to year, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine wins. Uh, the recruits are going to come. And I know that, USC, UCLA, leaving the Pac-12 opens up a whole can of worms for the Beavers that could have uh, maybe negative consequences down the road in terms of conference. But at the same time, it's opening up a whole new window for everybody else in the Pac-12, including Oregon State. And I think the Beavers are made a statement this year, and I think they're going to be able to continue to build off this. Recruits are going to see that. And as the Beavers get their NIL game more and more in order, I never, I don't think they'll ever be, you know, uh, amongst the top there, but they're going to, I think, be able to be, uh, they're going to have success there uh, as time goes on. I, I think the current classes are going to get better. It may be slow, but they're going to get better and they're going to get some of these higher level talents in to the program. And then, yeah, the recruiting class may not eclipse last year's ranking, but I think the big thing here is they're not going to probably take many more high school guys. Maybe they take one or two, depending on who's out there. But they're going to hit the transfer portal hard here over the next right. few months. And we, we, as said on the board, they're going to go after some big names, uh, including that quarterback. Uh, our subscribers know two names out there already that yep. they're going after. Um, and – those aren't going to be reflected in the rankings. I think Rivals is working on a transfer type ranking down yeah. the road for down the road, maybe next year. But um, those are going to be reflected there. But when you look at what they bring in in the 2023 recruiting cycle right now, and you add in what they're probably going to bring in through the transfer portal, I think you're looking at overall one of the better classes probably in the Pac-12 from top to bottom in terms of overall talent. Because uh, it's not top heavy, but the it there's there's not many guys here that I'm or any really that I question perhaps if, right. if they were a good take I think I think all these guys have some serious potential and we're all solid to great takes by the program so uh, there's a lot of programs out there at the Power Five level that they they have a lot of five star talents a lot of four star talents but then there's some guys you think they possibly reached on. I'm not sure the Beavers really reached for anybody here. I think from top to bottom, it's a solid overall class. And I think the transfer portal is going to be a great compliment to it. Yeah, no doubt. You know, great points there across the board, Dylan. Uh, you know, I couldn't have said it better myself, just as far as, you know, how they're going to utilize the portal. And as you mentioned, uh, if you want to get in on the the action, the damn board has all the information about those two quarterbacks that Dylan mentioned. Uh, real quick, Dylan, just to close it up, uh, the last three uh, players we just want to get uh, mentioned, Andre Jordan, Harlem Howard, and Jermod McCoy, the trio of defensive backs. What do you like about the trio of those guys? And uh, obviously that puts the bow tie uh, on this uh, 2023 early signing class. And as Dylan said, maybe another high school guy here or there. Um, but for the most part, I think we're going to see the Beavers attack the portal, pick their spots, and it'll be determined by – some of the guys Jonathan Smith mentioned have decisions whether or not to return. Guys like Omar Spates, Katana Ladapo, Isaac Hodgins, 
so on and so forth. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll keep it short with the uh, defensive backs overall. I think yeah. the thing that stands out to me is is they recruited uh, size and length here. Um, yep. Which I, I think is uh, two of the biggest things you need when you look at a defensive back. I mean, Jamar McCoy, six foot one, uh, Harlem Howard, uh, six foot one, uh, Andre Jordan, six foot two, and they all have good length. Uh, you can. That's two more things you can't teach. You can't well, right. size, but you can't teach length. Um, we've seen what the Beelers have been able to do at developing cornerbacks and safeties over uh, Jonathan Smith's tenure. I think these guys are all going to be able to come in and be have productive careers as Beavers uh, once they see the field. And overall, I do all I like all three players and what they bring. Uh, all seem fundamentally sound, quality athletes, but that size and length uh, cannot be uh, stated enough. No doubt. And again, with how well we saw Oregon State's defensive backs play uh, this year, you obviously got some big names to replace, and uh, you know Jaden Grant, um, Rajon Wright, and then potentially you know Katana Ladapo as well, depending on uh, you know his decision as well. So. You know, lots to get into uh, in the coming days. Dylan and I uh, will obviously be back at it with uh, numerous forms of content. If there's any big-time breaking news, we'll obviously do an emergency pod of sorts. Uh, but, Dylan, want to thank you for jumping on the pod, man. I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning yeah. in and listening. Uh, make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. It's the place to be for all Oregon State news, and uh, Dylan and I are going to be keeping our ear to the ground as far as uh, anything the Beavers are going to be doing uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, it's definitely uh, going to be a busy time, Dylan, but uh, make sure to uh, keep it locked to Beaver's Edge, uh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Stay locked in with us over there. It's going to be uh, – it, it may be a little slower here for the next uh, week or so, but it is going to pick up right after the new year again. And from really right after the new year until February 8th, it is going to be a you know full uh, – full steam ahead train just running down the tracks into uh, national signing day. And then uh, we got to reset and do it all over again. Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting times for sure. So make sure to keep it locked. Beaversedge.com. Again, big thanks to Dylan for joining uh, on this edition of the podcast. Uh, this is publisher Brendan Slaughter signing off. Stay tuned to Beaversedge.com. We'll continue to have more coverage uh, uh, continuing from signing day throughout the week. <laughs>